everyone, you have joined us right here as we are talking to someone who isn't just a candidate for the Emperor of Universe 7, but also somebody who took the most efficient donut maker down in history. Pull up a chair and enjoy yourself right here, up on the lookout. Lookout is a Dragon Ball podcast for things with a more laid-back approach. We are not here to bombard you with facts left, right, and center. No, we are here to slowly trickle them into you and then get you all relaxed with some casual vibes. I am Marcico X, and joining me is my trusty assistant, Havrock. Hello, I'm the comedic sidekick. And we are also joined by our guest for today. They are in countless numbers of recent series, but most notably voicing one of our mascot characters on the channel, where the phrase, Bora Bora, is common, as well as voicing Beastar's most eager... Mongoose. No, it doesn't quite sound the same as Eager Beaver, does it? It can only be Damon Mills. Hello, Damon. Hello, how's it going, guys? Thank you for having me up on the lookout. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. Thank you so much. It's been very nice since Dende was just allowing us to have our own little crawl space here. Big pleasure to have you here to join us. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here and talk about all the fun things, Dragon Ball and otherwise. <laughs> oh, yes, of course. Yes, definitely. So if you are enjoying the podcast so far, as well as the previous episodes, if you haven't had a chance to listen, to them, you can check them out on your podcasting platform of choice. You can also become a caretaker of Lookout if you wish to help contribute towards the server cost. You can go to marsico.cc slash lookout for more information. And with that, let's get started. Damon, you are a chum that I have not seen for a very long time. I think the last time I actually got to hang out with you guys is while I was over down in Texas. Yes, I think you were at Sound Cadence. Yeah, you had popped in and I was like, oh, hello. <laughs> the last thing we were doing, uh, we were, I think I was recording for something. I think actually it was for episode 60. It was episode 60 of DBZA. Yeah, so on that day, I was nice, with the nice. TFS guys. And I think I was done for a little bit uh, because we were trying to record the Super Saiyan 2 scream. And it was clearly that we were not going to make it work because I was just getting all worked up and stuff like that. It was really, really hard to do. But while we were kind of cooling down, figure out what we were going to do coming in tomorrow, I remember, I think you were like around the corner and you were, oh, hey. And I think Howard was there as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Who's also yeah, one of the you know, higher ups at Sound Cadence. I think we were just chilling yelling out in like the one of the green rooms and we were just playing fighters yeah i think i think we played a couple rounds yeah 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 no because i remember we um it was like all the hotness because i think it only came out like six months previously i think so yeah guys i hope you represented your characters like come on yeah <laughs> i absolutely i i am a frieza main absolutely <laughs> actually since then have you actually dabbled in uh trying out cooler at all yes cooler i i do play a fair bit i figured i should keep it in the family um <laughs> but cooler is really fun zamasu is really fun um i've tried my hands with Janemba as well. I like the villains. I don't know. I'm really partial. Hmm. Who else have I tried out? Uh, I don't know. I haven't played in a little bit. And usually when I have played, like I play with like Howard a lot and he always kicks my butt. Howard Wang, everybody. <laughs> he's, uh, he's very exceptionally good at the game and I'm trash. <laughs> Oh, well, you say you say that because I remember we had a fighters tournament at the TFS studio and it was like it was being streamed. And I, I, I somehow was able to beat Lanny, but sometimes I would get like I'm a button masher. I'm like a proper button masher. I'm not that great with fighting games. I had a, like a brother who's five and a half years older than me playing Marvel versus Capcom 2. That was not fun. So every time I just accidentally press the PS button, so everyone would be like, dude, no, don't do that. And it was like we were doing a Goku versus Vegeta playing Tekken 7. 
I found out later, I thought I was actually not too bad at it, but I was finding out that Nick was going really, really easy on me. I was going like, you're not fighting. I'm, I'm giving you these opportunities. Just do it. And I wasn't doing it. Mind you, you know, Goku's pretty clueless when it comes to these things. So, hey, I was method acting without even knowing <laughs> it's, like, it. it's like, what do I do? What, what does this button do? I don't understand. That's usually what I, at first, because I, I, I am a Smash Brothers player, like, for when it comes to fighting games. like, But that doesn't require the level of combo training that something like Dragon Ball Fighters does. So I was just like, uh, what does quarter circle mean? I don't understand. And <laughs> it took a minute for me to get that learning curve in there. Whenever they do those training things, you get like to do. You have to do ten certain attacks. I could do the first six, okay, but when you get to number seven, it just suddenly gets like, okay, try that now. And I'm like, uh, I'm like, what? <laughs> no, that's not going to happen unless I put in half an hour's worth of time there. But yeah, what kind of projects have you been in lately? Give people in just like that. Obviously, things that you can talk about. I mean, I obviously I know that well because I've done a couple of things myself. And how have things been lately? Oh goodness, it's been a complete transformation. <laughs> <laughs> with uh, workload because, um, you know, with the global pandemic, <laughs> we are not recording in studio for anything uh, for the most part. Um, and we've all had to kind of invest in home equipment to uh, keep up that level of recording. I'm so sorry. My cat is jumping on equipment outside of the booth. Yeah, yeah. No, it, he's just like, I'm. Just, there's a bunch of expensive equipment outside of my booth. And I'm just like, stop it. <laughs> yeah, you, you, are, you are talking to two people with cats. So we understand completely. You can like briefly talk about the cat because it's podcast content, you know. Yeah, he's in here with me now. He's he's purring. Oh, it's OK. <laughs> What's their name? His name is Riku, because Kingdom Hearts is great. <laughs> and he's gray, so it's just like, okay. But he's the neediest boy you'll ever meet. He's just like, if you are not giving me attention, I'm going to lose it. <laughs> oh, no, don't worry. I, I know what you mean. I've got a cat, uh, Smokey is his name. and uh, So cute. I swear he's got some Russian blue in him. He's got that bluish metal, that blue steel. He, he can sometimes be very territorial, but he's so dopey sometimes. Like, we, <laughs> one, we were so worried because we, we, when we got a puppy last week, we got some pet gates and they've got like a cat flap at the bottom. So that means the cat can go through, dog can't. Been practicing for the last couple of months and he just stands there for the longest time and go like, yep, he's never seen a cat flap before, that's for sure. <sighs> he's just like, what is this portal? And he's like seven. So he's not exactly young. He's seven years old, so he's like middle-aged. One day before we got the puppy, he suddenly got it. So I'm thinking, oh, now you get it. Maybe he didn't felt like it, you know? It, it is a very cat thing to do. No, that is very true, because if we are near the gate, he will just sit there and go like, you expect me to do that now? You're right there. You're right there. You can reach it. <laughs> Human, open it for me. Okay, so sharing cat love. My cat's name is Nessie. She's uh, five years old, and she was brought to our home because after unfortunate uh, death of our previous cat, our doggo was so sad that needed some companionship. And our previous cat was a main, was a main coon. She sadly, you know, uh, died due to the kidney failure. Basically, what we did, like we had that cat basket that we used to transport her in, uh, and we brought this tiny little kitty. You know, that you can uh, get on your palm out of, you know, at, out of pet shelter to home. 
and it was love at first sight. Of course, my doggo is a little bit of a jerk, and she's like she she like she she is the dominating pet because it because it's a dachshund, it's a wiener dog, so she's dominating over the cat. I've never seen the cat. You know, that has no aggression, never hisses. She's like, okay, you want to move me? Okay, I guess. You know, she's very passive. She's super passive, very friendly, toward, especially towards me, but very passive. With this type of podcast, you never know where it's going to go. I bet you did not expect to be in this interview with one of the people who voices Frieza to, to be talking about cats. <laughs> I mean, come on, Frieza is a cat person. Come on, I, I see Frieza as a cat person. Oh, absolutely. I do love a good feline. It reminds me of the old um, the old ocean dub. Good job, Captain Ginyu. If you were a dog, I would scratch your belly. It's so funny. I, I, it's wild. Yeah, I'm so sorry. I like got interrupted by my cat before I was talking about everything. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's absolutely fine because actually, because it's got something to do with sound cadence because I believe that both of us, we were in hells together. Yes, yes. I, I did some um, just uh, wallow for the, the that movie, but it was really fun. It was crazy wallow too. Oh yeah, no, no, because um, I was playing the dorm mother in that and uh, basically I was asked to bring in the dorm mother mainly to um, be a joke to Kaiser as in like, oh, hey, the Dawn Mother's voiced by Masako Nozawa. Oh, Masako could do it. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> but it was very fun. It's a very much honor to be actually sharing a role with her. I never expected that. It was a real shame because it was like a madhouse project and it's just it just got overlooked at the time. So it's good that it finally got some recognition eventually. Oh, no, exactly. I'm really glad. Yeah, so we have transitioned to home recording now. Um, and yeah, so we've like everything, like including anime and everything, which is also exceedingly difficult to do remotely. Um, because there's so much tech involved with ADR dubbing that it's not as easy. Like video games, animation, anything like that is is much easier to do remotely. Um, but if you don't have like, gosh, like because you have to see the video over um, the internet to, to match to picture. So it's like you have to do it either through Skype and have Source Connect and do all these different programs. It's actually really curious because it's been really good to see how certain careers and certain businesses actually really adapt themselves. Because I've known a lot of people who suddenly been able to work from home and it's actually made loads of companies actually rethink their business models. So when did you get like your first indication for a project to actually start the the process into actually doing all your recording from home yeah so um so it's so funny because i was um i actually got really really sick at the start of the pandemic uh right the day before it was declared a, a pandemic i i was like in session and i got i went home and i got super super sick and i think i think it was a semblance of covid because i tested negative on flu and strep and had all these symptoms, but I couldn't get tested. Um, so that was like the first of like, oh, okay, I have to stay home now for like weeks. <laughs> um, but I recovered. And ever, ever since then, I had to just completely record and shift everything at home. Um, I started doing, um, I did, I think, a couple game things um, at home first. Doing anime took a while to start up again. Um, because everybody kind of had to figure out like how, okay, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do this? Um, and Funimation like went on a hiatus for like a couple months, I think. So it's been a lot of shifting with that. So it was like a lot of studios, um, 
kind of did surveys of like, I was like, what kind of equipment do you have? Like, what it, what are you hooked up with? Thankfully, I had like some good equipment, but I did have to make a lot of upgrades at the time. Um, it, originally, I was in my closet <laughs> um, recording because I, that's all I had at the time. Um, so I had just uh, a Neumann microphone and a preamp that I had to upgrade to a better one on that and upgrade my recording software and upgrade and, you know, have a monitor in my closet so I could view material. And recently we upgraded to um, a, a Studio Bricks booth. So now I can actually record in a <laughs> enclosed space with with better equipment. So it's all good now. Um, but it was it was um, a task. So for anime, we've just uh, Funimation has been very uh, very good. They've sent actors that do not have equipment the uh, recording kits as it were, um, to hook them up so they are able to continue working and doing simuldubs at this time. So, and then the rest of us that have equipment are just using this. The process is super slowed down. I know a lot of people were wondering, like, why shows are taking longer now to come out. It's so much more work to do with, because the audio engineers are having to adapt to a bunch of different sound spaces and try to make that sound like it's coming from one place so there's a lot of um that and then just working you know via internet if everybody had the same setup i like like i do i think it would be a lot easier but i think because everybody's on different stuff that is kind of slowing it down thankfully i think we're getting it like more streamlined now like everybody's kind of adapting and getting the hang of it in all regards for um recording so uh it's going well i think (laughs) a lot of people were really concerned that the internet would be crumbling to its knees basically because of so many people working from home but it's actually been surprisingly rigid and stable yeah it's been fine for the most part yeah i've 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 had a few like hiccups every now and again but my wife is a key worker she's a teacher so sometimes she'd have to go in but fortunately she's been able to work from home pretty much from most of it but it just shows really that about what is totally possible and potentially it could mean that so long as you've got the right software and there's like the guidelines for how the procedures work, you could in theory like record anywhere. It's uh, it's very important to make sure the equipment is as consistent as possible, because back in the day with all these different other recording software and the fact there were a lot of USB mics, which would be like 20 bucks down from Best Buy. Oh, OK, that's. Uh... Yeah, I remember that. Like back in the day when I started voice acting, I had like a USB headset or, or something like that. And it was just like, I was like, oh, I know what I'm doing. Not. I actually auctioned off my first ever mic that I did stuff for charity and it was like six. 65 bucks. I'm like, really? Wow. Okay. It's actually been a really interesting site to see some of the voice actors that I follow on like Instagram, Twitter and stuff like that actually being quite excited to see that fact that they can do this from home. It looks really tricky from all the screenshots that I've seen, like, you know, of their setup, like all these different windows, they got to make work. But I'm pretty sure that Funimation or any other dubbing company would could easily streamline that to make it more efficient. Gone are the days when the likes of Kyle LeBert would have to record an audition from underneath a bedsheet in the hotel from a convention. <laughs> right. I think ever since they introduced the Chaotica eyeball, that's been a really game-changing bit of kit for any roving uh, voice actor. Yeah, I remember one time I was actually at a panel at an Irish convention. It was actually uh, something that Mr. Sabbath was doing, a voice acting thing. So he's like, 
Oh hey, so uh, we're just like doing some like dubbing right here. Just come up, <laughs> come up to uh, come up to here, please. I love that everybody when they do a Sabbath impression, they're like, oh yeah. <laughs> it's like I'm using this like Apogee mic and stuff. It's like really awesome. Yeah, he he recommended that one to me as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that mic, I I've got that now in my like portable um work because I use that because I I worked on an iMac and on Macs and Apple stuff. It works fantastically and you can get a version on Windows too. So if you want to like, just like throw a microphone in your bag and know it's going to be very good, an Apogee mic, not sponsored by the way, yet. Definitely, definitely recommend for uh, mobile recording if you need to like record in a hotel room or anything like that on the fly. But right now there's no travel needs for that. So <laughs> we're... Would you want this to be a thing that you continue to do once things have gone back to a relative normal? Do you miss that studio vibe? I absolutely miss the studio vibe, and I'll tell you why. Because with this, well, one, I love people, um, and there's something about working in person with somebody. You can collaborate more with them. For this, too, you're also spinning so many more plates while you're recording that it kind of can take away from your the other side of your brain that is trying to to you know be creative and act while simultaneously using your other side to operate all of this tech at the same time and monitor everything so you're doing a lot um to kind of make sure everything cuz cuz they they're relying on your track and your equipment cuz you're you're doing your own leveling and everything to make sure nothing peaks um, and that the audio is unusable because otherwise they'll have to get pickups later. So you have to make sure everything is like cohesively running, um, that your internet doesn't cut out, that every, you know, it's, it's a lot. I think it would open up the doors for more remote recording. Say if you're in Dallas and you're trying to work in LA more or vice versa, you're going to a convention, you have to do a simul dub, but you're away for two weeks for like in Australia or something. I think that would, um, create a semblance of able to continue working without getting a voice match there. It opens up the doors for different things, I think. And the the industry will change from it. However, I definitely think that studio recordings are the best way to kind of get a uniform uh, sound as well. It was really good to actually get a good insight about how it's been to be a voice actor in lockdown, but let's get to the voice acting itself as we now enter the main topic. Let's just get one thing real here. We know why you're here, Damon. Why? <laughs> it's Monaka, isn't it? It's Bora, it, it, it's Bora Reta. And basically voicing Nari Rama from like basically like two of the universe three people. I, th- I just find it really funny that they actually big up Nari Rama. Oh, Nari Rama is the ultimate survival robot. And he sounds really cool because he goes like, nah. Nari Rama, Nari Rama. Yeah, that thing. <laughs> I will say say that the um the dub for Magetta, like from Universe 6, is just like text to speech. It didn't quite sound right. Chugga, chugga, chug. Oh, it was so funny. I uh, remember because I had sat in with um, Raleigh Pickens, who's the ADR director, when he was figuring that out. And he's like, he's like, what do you think? And I was like, I kind of love this because it's not something you would normally hear. It was indeed something I didn't expect to hear, but I was like, in a way, you could have easily just kept the Japanese one because it was just like, poor, 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 poor. it sounded like a steam engine. It was a very strange character. <laughs> it actually reminded me of this like cute little British cartoon named Ivor the Engine. It's this 
semi-sentient like, train. And then, yeah, the, the, the driver's just like, all right, come on, eyeball. What's with you guys and sentient trains? We like trains here. That's the thing. And my now father-in-law is a very big fan of trains. And basically, this comes from the realms of Oliver Postgate, who is a classic British cartoonist. Uh, he, he did stuff, it was involved with the clangers and stuff like that. Bagpuss. Bagpuss is basically this kind of like plush cat who again comes to life. His trademark thing is a I would think it'd be a bag bagpipe or something. <laughs> like that's what I would infer. Like with all of this stuff for like Universe Three, was it just basically? Did you have free reign essentially for all of that, or were you just like told like you had a certain like guide? I just tried something. I think Raleigh was just like, okay, uh, let's let's try. Let's listen to the Jap because we we'll listen to the Japanese beforehand before we uh, do a scene. So really high pitched and shrill for Borota. <laughs> so I'm like I'm like Bora! The whole idea of it is because when Super was actually the sub on Crunchyroll was going, I think we were just like this whole idea of like the idea of Koichiareto when they actually fused together. This was already a very intriguing team, but Boraretta was just this just this trouser robot. <laughs> He's just a pair of pants who with eyes. Yeah. Trouser Boiler, basically, and we loved him so much. Yeah, we loved him so much that we hyped him up, you know, in some of the videos. I've never had anybody discuss Boraretta with me, so that's super funny. <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's just really fun, and it sounds like from the uh, the environment of working on Super. It just seems like really relaxed and you, you're very engaging, like you work with the ADR guys. I think it's one of my favorite things I've worked on because Raleigh is so collaborative with you. Like he, it's a team effort together and you can like and he lets you try different things. And if you want to explore something or do something again, he's like super open to it. And it's just we make jokes and it's just super fun. And, and I love it. And he takes really good care of you when you're screaming and everything. So it's just been like super Super, super. <laughs> yeah, no, I really, I really enjoy working on that and the Dragon Ball franchise with him and then Stephen Hoff, who directs the video games. Oh, yes, of course, because um, have you actually had a chance? Uh, do you play Dragon Ball Legends? I've played it uh, a fair bit. Um, not not a lot, but like I, I, I was dabbling with it. Um, it was funny when um because I, I didn't do all of Frieza in that game, but I did Golden Frieza. Um, so I, uh, I did Golden Frieza and Full Power Frieza. It, it was funny because I was like, ah, oh, I want to get this, but it looks really rare. So my friend, uh, Alejandro Saab, he, uh, uh, he helped me get it on a stream with him. <laughs> and I was just like, I was like, can you be my sugar daddy, please? <laughs> we'll talk about the glory that is Monarca in a bit, but yeah, let's just dabble in that one character Frieza for a second. Yeah, it's just that, that one little one. Yeah. <laughs> what was the procedure, um, to actually be getting a chance to step up to the role because we all know that Chris has gone through a lot of surgery over the last few years. It, it was really, really nice to see them because it was at San Japan and uh, he was like be carrying around this huge tankard all the time. He just had this very relaxed personality and just it seemed really nice and mellow and he was always really sweet to us guys, you know, the TFS guys. He's a super, super sweet man, yeah. Really ironic too, considering he voices Frieza. Yeah, I know, it's so funny. He's he's just like the nicest guy, but he voices just this horrible villain and it's it's super funny. He um him and I are like really, really close and he and I, we've you know, I've been talking to him a lot through his whole journey through his uh, illness. Um thankfully he's now on the mend because he he got his double lung transplant. Um, because he, he, he had an end stage COPD, 
um, and he needed the surgery to to you know get better. Um, but yeah, so for for Frieza, um, uh, as you know, he was very 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 sick. So um, the, an audition went out uh, for um, it was for Monaka, Hit, and Frieza, and I was like, wait 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 wait. Frieza? Why Frieza? I didn't understand. I was like, what? What? Because I knew Chris was voicing Frieza and I didn't, I was not aware of how sick he was um, at the time. It, it was, it was very bitter because I, I love the character and I love Chris's work and I love Dragon Ball. Like Dragon Ball is like a huge series for me. Like it, it helped define my, my interest in anime and voice acting growing up. Um, so it was a big moment for me, but I was also just like really sad about it. So it was very conflicting, but I did the audition. Um, I just, I just tried my hand at it and, uh, I get an email maybe a week or two later, um, to asking me to come in to record it. And I was like, Oh God. (laughs) So, um, I didn't know how to feel. It was very like, I was, and I was also incredibly nervous because that's such a huge character to fill in for and, and try to live up to fans expectations. I wasn't sure how much I was going to be doing at the time. It was kind of a case by case, uh, uh, circumstance depending on when Chris or could, could, or could not work. Um, so what I started with, I started with Dragon Ball Fighters. Um, that was the first thing I did. I came in to record the first batch of it, which was like the fight efforts and the battle. That was like my very, very, very first session was the battle and dialogue and everything like that. Um, and uh, some time went by and I came in next, I think maybe not, not too long later, I think a couple weeks later to do some super um, and I, they had started recording a couple episodes, but Chris couldn't finish. Um, so I did, I covered for the rest of, I think it was episodes 26 and 27. And I think Chris re-recorded some of it. It was just, it was very like mixed hybrid. I wasn't sure if credits were going to go out or not for that. And then it did. Um, and it was like, it was like, wait, what did like, it was very confusing for people. So I had to like, be like, okay, I'm not like, I'm not taking the role from Chris. I'm helping out with it. And, but it just became kind of more and more and more of it. Um, so I did, um, I, I started doing more Dragon Ball fighters. We had the, the, you know, the massive story because Frieza has his whole story arc, right? It was just, it was maybe like 20 hours of recording I had to do for that. And just like in like a week, and it was just like it was like okay, to hear, like I practiced a bunch. I listened to a lot of Chris's work. I just kept like trying and and dabbling with the voice, trying to make sure I could get it as close to Chris as possible. You know, but also retaining a level of my own acting. Um, you know, because like there's only, there's only so much that I can do to keep it um, like 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 Chris, but I I, I act in a different way than he does. So it's not going to be a, you know, one for one, like exact replica of his voice. Um, and I have, I'm, I actually sit lower than he does in my, in my register. Um, he has a higher voice. So like it's things like screams are a little harder for me to replicate. Um, so I just kind of relented to making it my own. <laughs> I heard it for the first time, like in Nango in fighters. And it was like, wow, okay. This actually feels like a blend between Chris Ayres' freezer and Martin's freezer, you know, from DBZA. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, yeah. It feels like a cr- somewhere in the middle. There, there's just that moments when you're, all, you're just those human moments. Just like you're just kind of like those those classic memes of freezer, just like sat there thinking, just go like, oh, just like just those those very human moments that where freezer actually just <laughs> is being having a conversation. So yeah, actually, so it, it does stand out. Well, 
Thank you. Thank you. I mean, I've heard, I've heard, um, I wasn't necessarily trying to copy Martin at all, but I have heard his Frieza before. And, um, and, uh, Linda Young, of course, too. I think she's fabulous. I, I, I was mainly trying to, to, you know, copy Chris's work, but I mean, it's probably, I've heard so many that's probably been a hybrid of influences on, on top of my own work. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's just my, my interpretation is all. So that's, that's what I've taken from that. Yeah. I feel like it's also changed though, as the more I've done it, because that was a very early, um, take on it and I've kind of gotten more comfortable with those more um me kind of finding my footing with it um but when we more of close when I came back to recording it um when we started doing super again when Frieza came back um you know towards the start of the tournament of power um Chris Chris had done the Broly movie right before that but then he was he was going through his health was going up and down so they called me in to do it and then that I had I had had more it was I think it had been like over a year since I had done fighters um like maybe a year and a half. So I'd had, I'd had more time to kind of like sit with it and think on how I wanted to like perform it and practice it because I, I had a feeling that I would be doing more. Um, so Frieza came back and I, and it was, you know, him meeting Goku in hell and, and the golden Frieza transformation and all that stuff. Um, so I had, I felt I got really strong there with that um and i'd kind of like managed to make it my own there and then i got more practice when i came back to do um i I did dragon ball z kakarot as well and that was not long after i started super i did that i started doing that game in february of last year like it was quite a while before it was probably close to a year before the game launched because there was so much to record on that game there was just so much dialogue because not not just for me, but for like Goku and Vegeta and Piccolo and Cell and and Boo and everybody that there was all these NPCs and and uh, poor Steven, <laughs> poor Steven, but he was he was a good sport. Him and uh, Terry Doty um, worked together with, in the sessions. It was really fun, um, and I that was my first time going through all of. Frieza's original story with Namek and his different forms because I had only done like like final and golden up to that point so I was able to do kind of go through all of that which was really fun and I felt like that I was I was a lot more understanding of where the character was at in that game in my own interpretation so I'm really really happy with how that one turned. yeah no it's perfect really especially for Dragon Ball Z Kakarot when it's such a it's it feels like a massive Dragon Ball encyclopedia so for you to feel like comfortable for that game is definitely something to take pride in absolutely thank you thank you so much <laughs> I, I have a question what has been your favorite Frieza moment so far I loved I, I love different moments for different things I loved fighters because it was an original story and there wasn't really anything to kind of go off of it so I kind of got to make it like my own thing um and it, there was a lot of humor with it too so it wasn't like super super serious frieza it was like it was more comedic um and i love the dialogue and it was super fun um and then moments like the when uh frieza comes back from hell and he's in his golden form and he's fighting the assassins and goku in that in that first instance that one was super super fun we worked so hard on that episode in particular I think we went through that episode maybe three times to try to fine tune it. Um, Raleigh and I were we, we were going back and forth, being like, "Like, what do you think about this? What do you think about this?" Um, and uh, and for Kakarot, I mean, just the classic fight with Goku was just just really cool to to try my hand at. Um, and that was the first, usually for the video games, we don't see anything, right? So I don't know if a lot of people know this. Is we will. Um, 
just have the script and we will do like an echo repeat of the Japanese dialogue. So the Japanese will play and then immediately after we will chase the line doing our take of it. And it needs to fit the timing of the that line. So we're not seeing anything on the visual, right? So, I mean, if mouth movements look funny, it's because we're not seeing them. We just don't know. We're, we're told to match the the Japanese timing. For the um, the Kakarot game, we actually were able to see some of or some of the uh, visuals, which was the first time for that. We uh, had uh, files for like a lot of the pre-rendered cutscenes. Just to, we weren't dubbing to it, but we were able to see like what was going on in that moment. Like for tonality, I feel like that really helped for the the emotional setting of it and trying to you know get those moments right. So things like the uh, the final moment of Frieza's you know you must die by my hand blast. I had seen his his crazy expression he had there and I was like okay I want to make this like like just crazy he's like losing his mind here so I really wanted to make it like super psycho <laughs> yeah and especially it must have been really good especially in episode 95 cuz the animation in that episode with Frieza being absolutely vicious like well, I mean as it was so as fun. vicious as you can get for something that was airing in Japan on a Sunday morning instead of a Wednesday evening which was with Z so yeah the fact you couldn't show blood oh i think i can count the number of times you see blood in super on my on one hand yeah i don't see it very often which is kind of i I wish they had more of it (laughs) well because dragon ball z aired originally in japan in prime time like around about like 6 30 in the evening so but now this is like in the nine o'clock hour with one piece so it's at half past nine so you can't really show that on you know that slot unfortunately so it does it does lose some of the impact there, definitely. It must be really, really nice to be able to work with Chris uh, in a way and be able to actually help him out throughout all that time. And we really do wish him a speedy recovery and stuff like that. Yeah, he's doing a lot better now. He because he got his transplant, and he's had uh, some more surgery done. So he's doing. He's I, I've skyped with him throughout the um, quarantine, and he's doing so much better. And I I love that he's just doing. Just completely. I actually saw him and uh, Crystal not long before the pan. I think a month before the pandemic. I drove down to Houston for a one day convention, and we met up for dinner. I hadn't seen Chris in like five years, and he was he looked so much better. And he was walking around and just doing so. Yeah, I was just like, oh my goodness, I'm so glad that you're doing better. And we have such a good relationship. Him, Linda, and I are all friends, and it's just lovely that we can just have that there's no animosity or anything like that and we're all like we're just like this big frieza family oh that's brilliant <laughs> that's so cool i mean i i was at the first Khmer con i didn't get a chance to actually talk to linda but i was so happy to see her line absolutely buzzing with people like really just getting the chance to because honestly i would have loved to have heard her her freezer with uncensored dialogue go all out and that stuff so it's unfortunate in that sense but it's also fortunate that the the fandom still loves her and that's fantastic yeah oh my goodness i think everybody loves each iteration of frieza for different reasons and i think and i'm so incredibly honored to be you know like brought into that fold um I, at first, I didn't realize how much I was going to do, and I, I appreciate everybody's love and support um, throughout all of this because I've been incredibly nervous to to talk about it for a long time because I didn't want to step on anybody's toes or, or Chris's or make you know like it was it was very it was an interesting scenario like I don't know it was I wasn't sure how to handle it and I'm like I'm a lot younger 
um, and I'm newer to the the anime industry, so it was a very very big thing to kind of come my way as soon as I was starting, you know. So I was like, I don't know how to handle this. Of course, yeah, it's it's definitely something really nerve wracking, considering it is Frieza, probably one of the most recognizable villains of all of anime in that sense and just looking into that history and incidentally i actually do loads of what ifs on my channel and we're actually tackling one of them a freezer one with which is what if freezer turned good i'll give you the cliff sheets but if you want to in your own time we've got like seven parts on my channel so yeah but essentially it's like free it's it takes them the point when freezer you know is chopped in half goku basically says you know Give me a reason why I shouldn't kill you. Why should I help you? And then Frieza actually, in theory, helps him get to the ship. So does all that stuff and they fly out. And then Goku said, well, Frieza, I didn't actually expect you to help me. It says, yes, I've finally seen sense as for you. <laughs> but then he says the wrong thing to his father. His father thinks that he's basically bottled it, which means that he's no good anymore. And eventually he's cast out. So Freezer has to do his own thing and he has to then kind of figure himself out as a drifter. Yeah, well, I mean, I wasn't sure where Frieza was going in like the tournament of power because I was like, I was like, what is he doing? Because like it seemed like moments where he was like, he's kind of becoming like a Vegeta in that sense. Um, but then he, I don't know, like he he helps out. But then you see something like the, the Broly movie where it's like, he's just like, nope. Nope. I'm still doing my thing. You know, he's actually acting more like King Cold than ever. Because if you think about it, when in Broly, he actually then blows up the, the Saiyans. He's merely, he's probably only recently just been born. But now it's like 40 years in the future. He's finally reached maturity. Berry Blue is making all these quips about, it's because you're short, my lord. And then normally people say, oh, the, normal, the old freezer would just kill us. He goes, oh, no, you're right, Berry Blue. You are correct. It's our head, it's our head <laughs> that Berry Blue is his caretaker or nanny. Oh, I'm absolutely sure that that's probably the case. <laughs> oh, no, no. What should I ever do? Should I blow up this planet or should I blow up this planet? I can't decide, no, no. I can't. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing here. And also the fact that he now appreciates after being beaten down by Broly for an hour and a half. And he liked it. And he liked it. But we need to talk about one more character before we... And that is, of course, Monarca. Oh, hi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, because um, there was a lot of things about Monarca, and we did a video about this on the channel, about what might have been. He goes and does the thing, and obviously in comedic fashion, Monarca just... Because Hit's just like, I don't really want to be here, so... Oh, you got me. Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just like... That, that, you know, that, that just having that, and then again in the Potofu arc, where, oh... I, I, I broke something. Oops. But what we really wanted to have is that he actually is the strongest person in the universe, but it's something he can't handle. Just having that like struggle because like Monarca is very interesting, but I, I feel like it would have been a really good like avenue to explore about what might have been had it been handled in one of those things where it's a character who doesn't want to be strong. Like he's got this power, but hates it. He just wants a quiet life. He just wants to be a delivery boy. That's all he wants to be. I mean, who knows? Maybe they'll do that eventually. Maybe they'll like be like they'll unfold that or something. But like, I I wasn't sure where he was gonna go because we were we we not all of Super was out at the time when we were dubbing that, and it was just like, 
what's he gonna do? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. Because he was just like, I was like, okay, so he's like, he's like strong, maybe, but I don't, he was just so pathetic. I remember like when we were doing like the really like the snivelly moments that Raleigh was just like, okay, that was good. But it needs to be more pathetic. Like you have to really feel sorry for him because because he's just like more snot. I'm like okay, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I have to make it sound really sad. It's very weird, like how in these Toriyama moments where th- this kind of character can just like inspire, like these moments of just like thinking, really, it's that kind of guy. It must have been really interesting being in that Putofu arc, that, those three episodes. And yeah, just like, just like, he must have been like, oh, cool. We're getting a mini arc with Monaco in it. I wonder how he's going to help. Basically. And he was just like, it's funny because I was like, I was like, is he going to, is he going to fight? Is he going to have some kind of power? No, he, he has like this mini stroke. It feels like, and just, it's just there, just immobile for half the time. And I'm like, blessed bean. He's a good bean. Just has, he has a hard time. When you were auditioning, was it basically the pitch was, oh, He's in Team Universe 7 for the Universe 6 tournament. I mean, like, uh, at the time when we auditioned, I think the sub was already out and I was able to look at it. Um, and I I had already watched it. Um, so I was checking that out. And then they had a pretty lengthy description of, like, he's... he's Well, it's so funny, too, because at the time, they weren't sure, like, which gender to cast. Like, they they were like, do we want to cast a male or a female for this? Because it's so weird look he's like a weird character so they weren't sure so they had everybody audition like regardless of your gender but i just i guess i just had this really pathetic kind of sounding guy he's a delivery boy wearing spandex that's all he's there for yeah and then he basically goku then is just nice to meet you punches him in the face just like it's so rude so yeah, rude. No, no, no. it's just that and that's the thing but and then at the same time he's at the end of that tournament he gets this bounty of treasure for taking part in the scene. Yeah. And then you say, oh, this is so nice. Well, back to the job. <laughs> but it's, in a way, it's really cute that he actually just takes pride in like this job. He doesn't actually have to work in it. He just does it. He's just happy to deliver stuff. He's just like, he's like, ah, yep, here's my ship. All right, I'm going out for the day. And he's like, oh, I got to make my rounds in the, in the Milky Way today. He's so weird. <laughs> he's so weird. He reminds me of like, I don't know whether you remember Homestar Runner back in the day. I don't. I've never seen it. Oh, well, there was this thing called the Cheat Commandos. And they basically, it's like a parody of these 80s action figures type thing. And they've got all these really cool, like, 80s sounding characters like Gun Haver, Reinforcements, Foxface. And then there's Reynold, who's like the geek. Oh boy, everyone, it's going to be absolutely rock on. Yeah. Just that that one guy who has these mediocre life, but at the same time is hurled into this world, which is basically... You are watching people speaking the language of gods. And it's like, I wonder if I'm missing my shift. <laughs> I hope my boss doesn't fire oh me. <laughs> right. Oh, right. That, it, oh, that's it, it's sweet. It, it's a shame that they've that they've not done anything else with the guy. I'm hoping that they bring him back later because I know I don't know when or if the the show is going to start up again. I don't I don't even know if they'll follow the manga what they're doing now, but I know they're on, they're on that character Moro. We're definitely thinking that they will because it's our personal bet that they're waiting for that arc to end because but during Dragon Ball Super, 
the super manga and the anime were kind of off doing their own thing. They were following the same bullet points from Toriyama and they were all like, the anime went there one way, the manga went the other way. Because have you read the, any of the manga at all? I've seen bits and pieces of it. Um, and I, I do, I, I know what you're talking about. It kind of does its own thing in different different areas. Especially with the fact that basically they do Krillin even dirtier than the anime did. It's just a shame Monaka wasn't there to join them. I know. I know they mentioned him. They're like, because they, I think Goku is like, he was like, oh, why don't we get Monaka? And I was like, and Beerus is like, oh no, he's busy. He can't come. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I love that whole thing about Beerus just doing that. Yeah, I think that's this is a good way to kind of round things off. So let's move on now to just a little bit of casual talk before we round off the podcast. So before we actually round things off, Damon, there's one more thing that I wish to talk about. And again, this is something uh, that not a lot of people can say, but you are actually in something uh, a Netflix production. Yes. Dragon Ball Dragon Ball is on there, but we're talking about Osmosis. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I am in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's just something I just thought I'd like to touch upon because I was looking through all of your like your, uh, your, your IMDb stuff and all that kind of stuff. And it was like, oh, that's cool. It's a Netflix thing. And uh, yeah, so I uh, for those of you who don't know, Osmosis is like this. Uh, it's this French sci-fi drama and it's about basically this... Uh, dating app which is called osmosis which is the name of the show and it's about like decoding true love and i get this vibe it's a little bit like black mirror in a way so i get that vibe and you play the character of uh niels uh niels how how was that i mean how was it like you know getting that gig potentially for netflix that um well i've done a few shows for netflix that was um that was a dubbing one uh for um in la and uh, I was just reached out by the director. He's like, hey, do you want to audition for this? And I was like, well, sure, sure. I'll try it. Why not? Um, and it was it was refreshing to do something that was more um, nuanced and live action based, you know, rather than like this. Because a lot of anime is very high, high energy over the top stuff. But yeah, this one was really like emotionally charged and he's going through a lot like and he it's it, it touches on some really sensitive subjects. And and he's going through he has to like deal with that in front of his parents. And it's I don't want to spoil too much of it, but he's uh, he's got a really cool arc. And I really, I really enjoyed going through it. Um, and, and some other Netflix ones that I've done. I did uh, Beastars. I know a lot of people are hyped about that oh, of one. course yeah v-stars oh yeah, oh, yeah of course yeah no we we, we touched upon that earlier because yeah. you play kai the mongoose kai the mongoose yes he's he's very angry all the time and just he's just done with everybody he's like i want to be in the actors club not behind stage <laughs> oh yes of course because um we uh, my wife and i we watched that and it was just that moment of just like yeah it's just so like keen to be the actor the thespian and just being like it reminds me of that one simpsons episode with uh uh, Ralph gets to play George Washington and then this one guy is this kid who always gets the actor thing and basically gets to be like the guy who does uh, serves George Washington's chamber pot I love early Simpsons it's so good Kai sort of reminds me of that that's so funny yeah he's he's funny I, I love the the argument scene with Louie um, and then Lego she has to like intervene it's really good um, and he's, he's just he's just the kind of guy who's just like eat the rich and like get out of my way <laughs> <laughs> oh no that that's great but yeah listen just like thank you so much for joining us damon it's actually been really good to kind of give us a 
Thank you so much. It was super fun. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's brilliant. So just before we leave, give us like some uh, little plugging details about where we can uh, find you on the internet. Sure. Um, I have a Twitter, which I use the most. It's at Damon Mills, D-A-M-A-N-M-I-L-L-S. My Instagram is the same. I'm not on there as much, but I'm trying to get better about it. Um, I have a TikTok, actually. I made a TikTok <laughs> over quarantine, um, and it's been pretty funny that it got a lot of traction for one video. I was like, what? The, what? I don't understand. I didn't do anything. Yeah, no, it works like that. It definitely works like that. Because I was like, I got this like one clip of, uh, it's like Gohan, like, you know, having a day off. So this is great. It's a great day off. That's amazing. I'll have to check it out. <laughs> yeah, no, just all these different like clips. It's like, I'm always just there. Flick, 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 flick. Oh, that sounds good. I'll save that one. I'll wait for the right moment. Because um, there's this one of like a thousand years and then Jacksepticeye says, thank you for being here. And it's just that moment of Android 17 walks off towards his boat. And I just like, when like us going, thank you for being here. And he just like says, check you later. I'm going for my boat. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. No, TikTok is is insane. I, I love so many videos on there. <laughs> They're so good. Um, I just went down a spiral for a couple of weeks. I was just like, I'm just scrolling endlessly. Oh, it happens. It definitely happens. It's like, here I am. <laughs> you get yourself lost in there and then you realize, oh, hey, halo battery warning. <laughs> yeah, right. And it would be, I'd just be, wake up in the morning and start scrolling until like noon. And I'm like, oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, ah. oh, yeah it's 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 really good uh tiktok uh twitter instagram uh, i have a website damonmillsvo.com and yeah and i have some i actually have a uh, fun announcement coming up this week uh it's it's on my birthday funnily enough so i'll talk about it then oh so be sure to check out his social medias for that information especially and we do wish you an early birthday wishes thank you no you're welcome absolutely so once again thank you all so much for listening to this special episode we also thank damon for joining us if you have enjoyed the episode yourself do rate and review in your respective countries and on your podcasting platforms of choice it really does help the show out and getting it out there to any potential listeners and also if you want to become a caretaker of the lookout and help contribute to the server costs you can check out marsico.cc lookout for more information but anyway tune in next time everybody for another episode up on the lookout ta-ra! Thank you.